Welcome to Shop Talk, the official Drama Shop podcast. I'm Nicole Lossie, and this week we have a special edition of Shop Talk featuring the team at Gannon University's Schuster Theatre working on putting up a very unique piece of theatre as part of a summer tradition at the university, Shakespeare Summer Nights. Drama Shop Artistic Director Zach Flock will talk with the group behind Twelfth Night, an original adaptation of Shakespeare's play directed and adapted by GU alumna Jenna Selecki. The cast features Gannon students, faculty, and alumni in the cast and on the creative team, as well as guests from all across the United States. And according to their own description, you'll be welcomed to Illyria, a new social media platform, sort of like MySpace meets Tumblr, on which different characters host meetings and you, the audience, gets to view them. There has been a shipwreck. Viola is lost. She creates a new profile in order to survive this wild and new online world. The world of Illyria utilizes other forms of social media technology, with homages being paid to TikTok, Instagram, Venmo, and Twitch, so most of us should feel right at home. And you can watch as Viola and the rest of the characters play with identity online and in real life, and find love and loss in the process. Now, this event will be streamed live on Schuster's Facebook page at 8 p.m. July 27th, 28th, 29th, and August 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And you can find them online at facebook.com slash Gannon Schuster Theater. Now, the streaming is free, but donations can be made at schustertipjar.com at any time. And donations will be split evenly amongst the cast, as well as a portion of these uh, donations going to Black Lives Matter, an organization that the cast and production team feels very strongly about supporting. Also, there will be uh, Shakespeare Summer Nights t-shirts available for purchase online, featuring quotes from the show, and all proceeds uh, from the t-shirt sales go towards supporting the Schuster Theater. Shop Talk this season is sponsored by Gannon University Schuster Theater, so we do also thank them for that. And now, enjoy this week's episode. Um, since we've got a whole group of folks here today, I'm going to have you each introduce yourself and tell us your role in this production. Hi, my name is Elena Manchester, she, her, and I am the producer. My name is Jenna Selecki, she, her as well, and I am the director. My name is Brittany Lee, and um, I think I said stream designer and operator, I think is where we landed. That's what I have. For, <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to box you in, Brittany. I don't want to box you in. I can't be contained. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm Bridget Donnelly, she, her, hers, and I'm the visual artist, graphic designer, last for the show. So Jenna, I'm gonna to go to you first. Um, you're directing this one. For those who don't know Twelfth Night, can you maybe give us that high level plot synopsis? Yeah, so Twelfth Night kind of follows Viola who is shipwrecked on Illyria. Um, and there because of some uh, gender undercoverness she goes through to serve the Duke. She gets into a whole slew of chaos trying to serve him while being a man and woo the woman he's interested in Olivia while being a man. Olivia falls in love with her and it's a whole to do. Meanwhile, we've got um, this great subplot with Malvolio who is being kind of tormented by Olivia's household, her staff and her family members. We've also got Viola's twin brother who she assumes is dead, who washes up a few days later with um, his friend Antonio and they're, um, walking about Illyria on their own too. So it's a lot of people uh, trying to navigate this country and their identities and their personalities while meeting new people and trying to navigate love and loss and life. So let me get this straight. It's a Shakespearean comedy based on a misunderstanding. Yeah, I think I've believe seen it or that not. one. <laughs> 
my house. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, and I want to just jump right into what is sort of the big conversation piece right now, which is the question that we're all facing as artists in the age of COVID, right? So Elena, you are the producer of the show. The typical plan for Shakespeare Summer Nights is that the shows are presented either in Frontier Park or in the past they've been on campus or in other local parks. That's not happening this year for obvious reasons. So what's going on and how did you how did you arrive where you did yeah so um this is our 16th summer um and so we uh when sean clerkin and paula barrett started this program they really wanted it to mirror the public theater's presentation of shakespeare in the park so the idea of bringing shakespeare to the people um free so they definitely wanted to they explored first friendship green or aj's way which is a little pathway on gannon's campus and then friendship green which is another green space there um they brought it to different parks around town and then we've really been partnering with the lake erie arboretum um in frontier park and then that was going really really well funny enough this summer we were going to have to find a different place anyways because they were putting the slides in. they've got like some awesome slides coming down the hill, but we didn't know if that would, and I plan on fully using those for entrances in the future, but mm -hmm. <laughs> we were, they were busy with construction. So we were already looking for alternative sites. And then of course, um, the COVID happened. So we were thinking about, do we do it? Do we not do it? Do we do it outside, but keep people socially distanced? How do you make people do literally anything and we're finding that to be difficult so um a few months ago when really it was time to make some choices uh we decided you know what we're going to do this online and we're going to lean into it how can we use the form of this thing that we've all gotten kind of used to this zoom meeting or whatever your medium is is there a way to present theater digital theater which i think is kind of what people are calling it now how do we lean into this new form and use it to its advantages in ways that classical theater may not be able to uh, do? Um, I was really clear with with Jenna. Uh, we wanted to use uh, we wanted Jenna to come back and play with us again, and um, you know it was kind of up in the air if we were going to do it, if we were going to cancel. And I was like, listen, let's just do this thing and let's like really do it well and do it differently and risk and like it may fail how exciting um but what i don't want to do is pretend like we're not looking into a camera because we are um and it feels like lying or awkward when you ignore that so let's like lean into it that was that was the goal and then uh, we assembled a team and Jenna and the team ran with this idea of what is the camera in this world? Um, Jenna, as Elena mentioned, you were already on board to direct um, before COVID hit and before the decision uh -huh. was made to, to switch to, uh, to this medium. So I'm curious, did you have any hesitation on your part or because um, I've I been mean, in that situation as a producer. <laughs> yeah, I think it was more of like, oh God, what do I do? It, I, I didn't even know how to be hesitant because it was more of like, I just didn't even know where to like look or think about it. So I really just started doing a lot of research and luckily like going on around me out in Portland, especially um, in such close proximity to Oregon Shakespeare Festival, there were a lot of different like live Shakespeare related things happening. 
And I have a bunch of really wonderful professors out there who sent me like scripts that had been edited for online versions, like lots of different notes and helpful hints from people who were trying it. So I started to just watch a lot of it and take it in and see what was working and not working. Um, and it really did kind of boil down to the end of the day, exactly what Elena was saying was embracing the medium or not. I found that like the productions that really did lean into the fact that this were these were people gathering in a different space and not on stage or in their setting um, in real life. Those are the productions that were the most successful. I saw a lot of really off the wall stuff and like reaching into screens and coming out of another screen and stuff like that. And I was like, this is so much. And so, I mean, people really are like taking this form and doing all sorts of wild things with it and it's super cool but it I, I did find like the most effective things were like the kind of family style zoom calls that were happening kind of just like this so um once I started to kind of catch on to what that entailed it started to become less scary um and I think 12th night very luckily lends itself to the internet being about miscommunications because of who we are and what we choose to present or not like that leading to miscommunication you know our internet personas are all so different than um us mine is a lot quieter for example <laughs> i'm not as quiet in real life as i am online but you know so we kind of started to look at like the problems these characters were having and they were really all a result of like how honest or not they could be about themselves and so from there we were like well this is our online world today in real life. It's just amplified now because we all have to use it. So that became Twelfth Night. And Jenna, I want to mention too that you are a Gannon alum. So this is sort of a, a homecoming yes. for you to come back and direct for Shakespeare Summer Nights. And you're currently in a master's program, right? Yes, I am uh, one year away from finishing up my MFA in directing at the University of awesome. Portland. Very cool. Very cool. Brittany, I want to talk to you because this is your second, I believe, foray into digital or live streaming theater. Um, you directed Silent Sky for Drama Shop. We were kind of in a similar situation. You were already on board to direct that. And then we said, oh my God, I think we got to do this via live stream, which is not something any of us had done before. And um, I think you were in a similar situation to Jenna in that you kind of said, hey, let's let's figure this out. Let's do this, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that was like helpful in that particular situation is that I do have experience with um, like alternative media. That sounds more <laughs> punk than I meant. What I, what I mean to say is like, I love using all kinds of different forms of expression. So film or doing something via streaming or, you know, photography or like all kinds of different thing. Theater, like theater specifically, I think is what gets me to that. Like, it's very different. Um, and I keep finding a lot of my work ends up at the crossroads between film and theater. It's never the same every time, but it's still like, right there, right at the middle of the two. Um, the thing about Silent Sky that I think that we, that I was lucky to not have to go through the same process that Jenna had to figure out, which was we were doing a stage reading, right? Yeah. Like it was already from the beginning gonna be just actors sitting there saying their lines. We weren't planning on sets that didn't ever got built or anything like that. So it was a, it was a different, I think, perspective because the audience got to sit down and we told them at the beginning of the show essentially like close your eyes and play with us in the space we're not actually at harvard observatory and we all know this like it never was like please pretend so with this with this show it's a very different approach because ev like at the top of the show the audience needs to accept that now we are on 
and like a you know alternate universe version of social media of zoom calls of you know facebook and twitter like now we're living in that world and so you have to accept it and the the actors have to accept it and that's been something really like fun for me to watch because i didn't get to see that with silent sky right like it was it was i got to see them like fully dive into character and it was amazing but I never had to see them accept their environment. Yeah, we and that's been something like really cool. We took a, a decidedly low tech approach, as low tech as a live stream can be, right? To Silent Sky of saying right. like, let's keep this stripped down. Whereas you guys are doing what I think you know there are one of two ways you can go with any production, and your choice was to really lean into the technology, which I think is great. So now I don't know who's best to explain this, but you're presenting it on Facebook Live. So, mm -hmm. but you've talked about this sort of like social media platform within the world, within the universe of the show. Maybe Jenna, it's a question for you and, and others can, can jump in on this. Can you just kind of explain how you're utilizing that platform? And as an audience member, what am I supposed to buy into to, to experience it the way you intended? Yeah. So it, like I said, we're setting it on Illyria.com, which we're kind of assuming this play is taking place maybe a year or two years in the future. And this is happening in a country that has not handled the COVID situation as well as other countries, just any random country, mm. whatever it might be. Um, <laughs> and so the need to curate your online experience and like what your personal space is, is that much greater because the, uh, or the outside world just doesn't um, exist or we don't exist in it the same way anymore. Kind of like what we're doing now if we're properly socially distancing and quarantining. Um, so this world kind of, it's a very futuristic look, but it kind of pays homage to like the very classic, like heavily curated spaces like MySpace or Tumblr. Um, and that's, so that's kind of where uh, Bridget has come in and making these like very personalized like pages for each of the characters and for each of the courts. But basically what the website Illyria.com offers is all of Illyria online. We have um, a dramaturg, Kara Headley, who came in and made like a welcome message, which is like, uh, if you were selling Illyria, like a sandals beach vacation commercial kind of thing. So it kind of details all the things you can do on this world, connect with friends, um, watch live streams from Duke Orsino, who's like this kind of hip music producer in this world. So we kind of looked at the characters and like, who are they on the internet? Like, what is their role? How do they contribute to the internet ecosystem? And we just kind of built the world around that. So what you can expect is honestly a pretty integrated website between Bridget's illustrations and the way that Britty has just so grounded the world in what looks like an honest to God website. You get a really interactive, like even between like flipping through pages kind of experience. That's really cool. So you get a sense of like their home as like their home screen. But then we've also like designed like what does their actual square look like? So that's where Angela, our costume and set designer came in and she was like, she had people like give them tours of their house with their laptop. She's like, that's the space. And then she kind of like designed it for them, sent the stuff. So it's very, very all inclusive, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's like your typical social media site. I think you'll see a lot of recognizable things that'll make it really believable. Like a little bit Facebook, it's a little bit Twitter, it's a little bit Venmo even. Like it really leans into everything to connect um, like what our world is right now, which is primarily online. And so Bridget, you're kind of working with 
pretty to to produce the visuals and and going off of Jenna's direction. So can you maybe tell me a little bit, first of all, how did you get involved? This is your first time with Shakespeare Summer Nights. How did you get looped into this crazy group? And um, maybe tell us just a little bit about your your process of, of kind of creating designs for the production. Yeah, sure. Um, so I know Jenna through University of Portland where she's getting her master's. I just graduated with my bachelor's degree from there in early May. So however months ago that was. Who knows these know. days, but congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and um, Jenna saw a piece of my artwork in like early May, I think it was. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and she was like, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> That's like basically all she said. She had, and, then, and then from there, we pretty much immediately like looked at the, her design presentation and she told me all her ideas and I was just so excited about the idea. Um, so I totally wanted to join. Um, and then I joined this production team and, and um, this production team and cast have welcomed me in with open arms, such a welcoming com community, which I really appreciate. Um, and one of the ways in which I was able to connect with people in the cast and crew is obviously weekly production meetings that we do on Zoom, which have been immensely helpful for collaboration purposes, et cetera. Um, but then I also got to do the, the like various production and like design members would meet in little like almost four on ones with individual cast members. So um, we would meet with, for example, Maya, who is playing Maria. And um, she, like, I would ask her a few questions to try and just capture what her aesthetic would um, essentially like come across as online. And then from there, I will draw a mock up and then send it to Jenna. And then Jenna will say, that's great, or add this. And then I'll post it and then Brittany puts it into the magic that Brittany does. So um, it's been a really cool experience. There's a lot of collaboration happening, which is very fun and interesting to do as someone who lives in Oregon. I was gonna say, you're uh, not in Erie. You're in, you're in the Portland <laughs> area, right? Yeah, so it's 3.30 where I live and <laughs> the sun is out. Uh, <laughs> um, it's snowing yeah, it's, here. It's, it's not, but you never know. <laughs> I think, like, to go off of that, I think one of the, like, really the great things about this production is the accessibility. Mm -hmm. Like, not just the fact that, yes, we've got people from all over, which is great, and we had auditions from people all over, which was surprising and beautiful and awesome. Um, and also it automatically kind of tears down the sort of colonialist inspired top down way of doing theater, which is like director at the top or producer. And then everybody fills in in this like pyramid, which yeah. is, um, so as far as like, if you go from a very feminist theater point of view, where you question that basic structure as being part patriarchy. And so it turns it from a triangle into more of a circle. I really love the way that Jenna and the team have really brought all of the actors in and asked them, like, if you were a, if you were a material, what would it be? What would your character be? What food is your character? And from that, they design. And it really is, not only is it, is it increasing accessibility, right? And we're using the internet to its, like, there's some really shady parts about online. But the best part about online is accessibility. We can meet people where they are. Not necessarily, not everybody works on Monday through Friday, nine to five, especially now. 
right? So we can meet people at times that work for them and places that work for them uh, once we get them the equipment. Um, and it also like just, it crushes the whole sort of top down thing. It's been beautiful to watch, really. I agree. I think, I, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I definitely kind of like rebranded myself throughout this process. Like, yes, I'm directing, but I also feel like more than that, I'm just like organizer, like, or curator or conversation starter. Really, the, the cast and the crew, like the cast has so much ownership over their individual roles and the crew have all contributed to like what the initial like spark point of a vision was and made it so much more than just like this Illyria.com idea I had. It is so, so unique to this group. And some of the characters have like intense backstories <laughs> like that I've never heard before come out of this show. And it's so exciting because I don't know, we kind of gained time in this process by not having to do a big blocking stage, which is kind of tremendous. We got to focus so much more on the dramaturgy and the language and the characters. Yeah, isn't that kind of a crazy byproduct of all of this? It feels like the, the work that oh we gosh. do now becomes so much more character intense, um, which as an actor, director kind of person myself, like that's the work that I love doing anyway. I don't care. I'm, mm-hmm. I care where you stand, but I don't care where you stand. I'm more interested in like, let's, let's explore the character. Let's get to the heart of the story. And it kind of feels like this, this frees you to focus more on that. I also think so that much. what's happening in our country right now uh, with COVID and with things like the Black Lives Matter movement, which our cast and crew feel very strongly about, um, is the fact that the way in which we have been, you could say, the way in which we've kind of been living our lives in, uh, in certain parts of this country has been very much product, 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 right? And so, and that goes from everything from, you know, um, big multi-billion dollar industries that give you things on two-day shipping, as well as in some of the arts organizations. We get wrapped up in that. We got to get a product. I have a production schedule. I need to get this show out. And this, this entire situation has forced us to slow down and to be careful and be affirming and so i've really loved the language like the language we are using when we're meeting with each other is purposeful and from the very beginning everybody that i've seen um jenna and her team have been very careful to set not only a safe space but an affirming space a la lauren gunderson so that the because we have such i don't know about you but we have such little interaction with people outside of our four walls that we literally live in that when we do have these interactions with people everyone's being very cherishing and nurturing and without being fake and so it's not about being sentimental it really i've never in my life witnessed a production company be so caring and nurturing with each other ever and i don't if it's because that's just what we all need right now or if because we're giving ourselves the space and time to do that but that to me is what i think theater should be and and really beautiful i 100 percent agree and i think so much of that is like at least from my perspective when we started i was like well you know one of the things we're missing out on in this is like our opening kind of warm-up bonding that just like gets the cast like feeling comfortable with one another so until we started like really running tech when my amazing assistant director Petra started integrating a lot of really specific warm-ups um, that she curated to fit the process up until that point, um, 
we were just having like kind of open forum conversations at the beginning, you know, and just like kind of constructing a dialogue around like, what is our world? Even if it was just like check-ins, like how's everybody doing with what's happening? It's all relevant to our process. As far as I'm concerned, these characters are existing right now. So they're feeling the things that the cast is feeling. So we've just tried to keep the space open to be frank about that and bring it into the conversation and talk about how we make it a part of the play. We've changed some text. We've added some like inklings here and there. I think overall it's been really influential, but just like the ability to pause and talk about this as a group, I think also just promotes the idea that like we're all in this together and we're all going through this stuff. So it is, you know, it's a support system. And I think, what else Elena was saying that I love was this like process over product. We all came in like, what are we doing? You know, and I had a lot of actors too before we started being like, I don't, I don't really know how to do this. I'm scared or like before auditions. And I, I just told them, I was like, me too. I've never done it either. So we're going to learn together. <laughs> I was just really honest. I was like, we're all going to be a little nervous. But I think just that right off the front or like right off the top of the process just made it so much easier for me to be like, oh, right. We can all just take it at our own pace. That's worked out really well. So I think they've gotten to bond just over the shared, like, new yeah, experience. Yeah, absolutely. We did bring in, Jenna brought in a um, uh, another Gannon alumna, uh, Cheyenne Stefano, to come in. And she's studying to be a drama therapist. So having mm-hmm. that also in the mix and, and what she brings to the table, not therapy, because she's not a registered therapist or licensed therapist. And we made sure to tell people often. Um, but bringing that in and just making sure that we're 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 promoting like uh, consent at every level and every stage. I mean, and Zach, we've talked about stage combat with uh, intimacy, stage intimacy, yeah. and like well, how do you do intimacy in this world? Um, and a lot of it is still it's the language of consent. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's yeah. maybe the most interesting like first discovery I had when we started actually like getting into working scenes was how much more intimate everything was right away because like they're in their space and they're hanging out and like once they figure out the way like their character chills in a screen right like how we're all doing here we found what makes us comfortable it's like oh my gosh you feel like you're watching this really private intimate conversation so intimacy was like amped from the get-go so there were so many times i found myself being like okay are we okay with this right now or even just like there's some like sneaky mariah moments that are a little sultry and it's even just then double checking well and it's that it's that difference between leaning in an inch on stage and leaning in an inch on camera and suddenly you're right there in the camera right especially with a webcam like um I, wanna, oh. I do want to talk about kind of how this play exists in our world today. Um, but first, I do want to mm-hmm. kind of hone in on some of the tech stuff we were talking about. So, Brittany, I'll go to you for this one. But again, others, feel free to jump in. Give away as many tricks as you want here. But just kind of on the fundamental like basis, how is this all working? Yeah, let me decide how much I want to give away and how much I want to make people pay for it. And while you're <laughs> deciding, I'll mention that like just to contrast, like with Silent Sky... It was literally windows, Zoom windows on the screen. You know, no, no yeah. embellishment, no graphics, really, nothing like that. And the most we did was switching who was on screen at any given time. Yeah, and I think that was something that kind of prompted me to start thinking about what the other possibilities of streaming digital theater are. Because I ended up also doing that when we were doing Silent Sky. I personally took everybody's videos and microphones on and off. Um, 
kind of like, you know, a little stage booth, but it was my, my home office. Um, so, but the thing I was, I was wondering is if there's a way to curate it further. And one of the things that I have a little bit of experience with is streaming as a traditional method of streaming in that I have um, streamed podcast before with graphics over overlaid on them and all of that kind of excess um and i have plenty of friends in the industry that do um streaming like game streaming which is really i think one of the standard um like mediums using using of the medium of streaming is gaming the thing that i tell people most is gaming musicians and like celebrities or people that have a large following online right so they could just kind of sit and chat but it's those are like the the main things that have a, a culture around them and that excited me because there's no culture for digital theater streaming so that means i can do whatever i want um but essentially what i'm taking is is the process of how you would stream a video game if you were to say a professional video game streamer um and then take that and be like well but now it's a the now it's theater um so it's it's the whole program and process of we've got different elements on screen that are moving or not moving and backgrounds and webcams and and making sure that everything on screen tells a story the same way as you know a streamer is like hey here's all of my social media at the bottom and here's the video game that i'm playing and here's me in a little cool frame same idea but now what we've taken is we've said okay, so we're setting the scene, setting the stage, and this is the background of the website, and these are the functions of the website. Here are notifications on the website. Here are people's videos, and here is, uh, you know, some elements of uh, what, like, streaming is. It's kind of a little meta. It is a little, got a little bit of streaming in streaming, but the fictional streaming is something that's, like, completely created, crafted by us. Um, and, and the idea is I'm taking all of that and then just putting it to Facebook. So you get one nice final product that I've kind of stitched together on my end. So sort of the very bottom layer of the stack is Zoom. And then there's yes. a bunch of stuff in between. And then the top layer is Facebook Live. Yes, correct. Okay. And I do think, Elena, something that you mentioned was that idea of like, when we're focused on product, even at a theater like Drama Shop where we try to be focused more on process than product, we still at some point have to decide, this is what the set's gonna look like. And once that train is out of the station, it's very hard to say, you know what, this set doesn't work, or we need to change, let's put the door on the other side, or that kind of thing, whereas, you know, and not to devalue the time and effort that you all are putting into this, but I think it does give you a little more flexibility where, Jenna, you can say, you know what, Bridget, I know we said this visual worked, but I really think we need to make some changes to it. And you're able to do that really up until the point you go live. And again, I don't mean to diminish the hours and hours and hours that I know go into that work. So part of what we're doing also is we're creating a website called Illyria-online.com. I think I said it right. And it acts as a playbill as well as it's like a, a mock-up of this fake social media site that you get to watch people play with. And so you can go and play with it and look at people's bios and the cast bios. And you'll see this here, there, and you'll see a couple other, and like it'll link to Black Lives Matter. We're also selling t-shirts, so there's merch. And so the cool thing is, is like we never would have done that, right? We never would have had that ability to do that live in the theater, right? You get your paper thing and some, 
Other uh, theaters, I'm sure, use more tech, but I know like at Drama Shop or at Gannon, like that tech element wasn't really part of the audience experience unless we were doing something funky like with Trojan Women we did a couple years ago, right? And we like, were like, how do we vote during the show? We ended up not doing that, but that was something we talked about. What's cool though is like we can edit that as we go. And with this sort of COVID people changing rules all the time sort of land that we're living in, we need to be able to pivot at any moment. And like Gen Z, who's saving the planet and I stand them hard, yeah. like they've learned years ago that it's not about the knowledge you have, it's about being able to find the things and synthesize the things. It's not about memorizing the things. And I think some of us older, that's a harder thing for us to learn. And so I think part of this process is about the fact that, you know, Anne Bogart calls making choices of violence. And there is a very violent thing when you make a choice. Now you've like cut out all the other choices you can make. Whereas this, like there is still that violence when you put something online, but it's always mutable and it's always changing. And that's kind of what the show is about. And it's kind of like what this process is about. Um, and I don't want to speak for the actors or the director, but you know, gender is something that this play plays with a lot. And it's not about hiding and it's not about tricking, right? It's about where in this beautiful spectrum of gender can we play and can we dance about and can we find parts of ourselves? And again, the kids are all right. Like Gen Z is like saving us. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've kind of been talking a little bit about this already, but, you know, obviously what we're doing is not produced in a vacuum. And I think Shakespeare especially seems to be something that when we direct it, and maybe by virtue of the age of it, we're looking to find the relevance in that piece or to find the ways of making something that maybe on the surface doesn't seem relevant, digging into it, playing with it, finding those, those sort of gems in it that make it relevant. So I'm curious, you know, there's a lot going on in the world in case anybody didn't know. Um, so Jenna, I'll go to you on this. You know, how, how are current events and the world around us right now influencing your vision of this production? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, obviously, like Elena said, gender and sexuality have become a very important, very big theme as we navigate this story. Um, like I was saying earlier, we kind of tie that into the idea of like your internet persona. So we've got this like overarching theme of like your internet self and your privacy. But all this piece of communication is really happening because people aren't able to be honest about either their gender or their sexuality. Um, and so we've really tried hard to, like I said, like not from, like Elena said, not make that about trickery or misleading, but about actual like journeys uh, and self-discovery. And um, actually where we see a lot of social activism happening is from Antonio in this production. We've done a little bit of rewriting of his character. So his offenses are very much um, that of protesting and supporting different um, activists or activists or different like rights organizations. So um, that is a big in into the world. And we have definitely leaned into, is there a relationship that is more than just friends between Sebastian and Antonio? And so I think 
we very much see those characters on top of Olivia. What is she experiencing as she's falling for Cesario slash Viola? And at the end, is it, was it Cesario or is it Viola? And like the same with the Duke. I think all of these characters throughout the show are going on these immense journeys of like inner knowledge and understanding of themselves. So we've really tried to amplify those character arcs, those journeys, and hopefully um, people who are also struggling with coming to terms with their gender or sexuality or what be it, I hope that they're able to see these characters and feel a little bit more comfortable where they're at or moving forward or telling more people are coming to terms with different things. So that's, that's like kind of the big part of the play are those. Yeah. Yeah. Bridget. Yeah. And then like, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And then uh, <laughs> uh, uh, another like way in which we've incorporated sort of like the modern day. Um, and that there's just so, there's so much important stuff happening right now and we're not going to ignore that. Um, so that's been, I mean, it's designed into the very aesthetics of the play. Um, like if you, while you're watching, if you look at certain character backgrounds, you'll see a, like, you'll see a black power fist or you'll see a climate justice, little earth symbol and things like this, because, um, you know, that's what the characters support and like also the actors <laughs> and like also the crew. And so it just, it is real. And like, that's, so it, but it's, it's incorporated in the, in the very like, I guess almost the set of the play. Mm-hmm. And do you find that certain themes or or elements kind of rise to the surface in this particular delivery method? Are they are they suddenly, you know, more relevant or more prominently featured because of the way that you're delivering it? Mm. Privacy in regard to Malvolio is almost terrifying to watch in rehearsal because what's happening I don't want to give too much of it away but basically Malvolio never goes live right so we talk about characters that go live and stream and the characters want their privacy so what happens with Malvolio is an extreme invasion of privacy so we see this issue privacy come to the forefront in another character being able to hack into Malvolio's web page or profile in order to like see into her room Um, So I think that's been one of the weirdest things that this format has taken over from this plot. Malvolio, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Malvolio, the character and the actor are female in this version. Yes, that is true, yeah. Um, Yeah, which is also, of course, very interesting because then it's a woman being exploited by a bunch of men as well as Mariah. So then we've kind of got, really, I... I said this to the cast and this to the crew, there is no other Malvolio and Mariah. I've never seen anything like it. These two have the most insane backstory together that I really think is actually coming through for characters that more or less don't interact, which is actually what like led to this big like eruption of backstory. So you see like these three guys, you got Toby, Andrew and Festy, and Mariah all kind of ganging up on Malvolio. And I think it's really interesting when we look at why do they do that? And like, how does that play into like morals, I guess, in the end and like who believes what? And then why do they choose to go after her? The text does not give us a lot of answers. So you see them commenting a lot on the absurdities of it. I mean, I think there is a moment that Mariah's like, 
or they ask Mariah to talk about all the reasons why she doesn't like Malvolio. And one of the things she says is, oh, she's a Puritan. And Andrew Agucheek is like, oh, if I'd have known that, I'd have beat her. And I like, we, we all like read that line in table work and we were like, what? <laughs> why? So you kind of see all these absurdities. Like, why do you start to just dislike people because of who they are online? You know, we, we make all these assumptions about them. And so it's really interesting how the characters that are making fun of her either change or don't by the end of the show, or like how they feel about their complicity in Malvolio's um, trauma and torment. I think the other thing is masks. We did film a couple of these scenes prior, so they would be um, like ready to go. Cause like the Sebastian and Antonio stuff, they're not quite in the Illyria online world when they shipwreck. So we filmed a lot of those. So we see like them wearing masks and we see like people outside of Olivia's court when they have that one fight wearing masks or not, like Toby like fully takes it off to like take a drink at one point. So we did incorporate that as well. We we're like, well, they're going outside, they're gonna wear masks. And I hope people get the same idea and yeah. want to also do that. <laughs> so there are some moments though that are pre-recorded as you mentioned, but the majority of the content we're seeing being performed live. Yes, yeah. So we did pre-record three scenes, and we're th we're talking about maybe a fourth right now. But yeah, the mass majority of the show is all happening um, live, and even the scenes we recorded, they're ready to go if those don't go up for some reason too. That's another big thing. Is like, how do we compensate yeah. when things go wrong? So like, they're ready to go. Bridget designed like, uh, hold on, technical difficulties page like that too, so we can throw it up that fits the. Which is great because it just leans into the form more. Like the totally. form, if you lean into it and you like, I feel like uh, the big thing about Shakespeare is that with Shakespeare, when you're on stage, you see the audience and the audience sees you. And there's such an honesty to that, that when you do realism and there's that fourth wall, to, even though it's called realism, to me, it's more fake. And so there's something about this where you are looking at the camera and you are speaking, like you acknowledge the audience there in a different way. It's almost like the audience is kind of sneaking in a little bit, but mm -hmm. they're still there. There's an honesty to that. And I think the audience will appreciate that kind of honesty to be like, uh oh, our internet sucks. Hold on. And like, I think that's really, really beautiful. And I also want to say like, What's really great about having Jenna as part of this team, like she has studied Shakespeare a lot and she's out getting, earning her, not getting, earning her, uh, her master's degree um, and working with this text that she, Jenna does a really great job of knowing things like the historical relevance of Puritanism and why everybody was hating Puritans at that time. And then yeah. Puritans shot the theater. And so Malvolio, you know, when, Malvolio, I'll get revenge on a lot of you. He did. Mm -hmm. but at the same time, Jenna is so good at letting the actors come up and like, well, what does Puritan mean in this new world, in this context? Is it somebody who's like afraid to live online? And like, why are you so, why do you care? And so Jenna is really great at walking that line. And I appreciate watching her work with students that way. Oh, thank you, Lena. Of course. So do you all think that this production and, and this delivery method in particular, um, we talked a little bit about accessibility, but also in terms of understanding, you know, a lot of people who are not familiar with Shakespeare think that they don't want to watch Shakespeare because they won't get Shakespeare. Those of us who've worked on it know that, you know, about five or 10 minutes in your brain just kind of clicks over anyway, and it makes sense. But 
do you find that by having these sort of different methods of, of reinforcing the story, do you think that's going to make it more accessible for audiences in terms of understanding the material? I can speak to that as someone who doesn't understand any Elizabethan. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I really appreciate Shakespeare and think it's beautiful, beautiful writing, but I can't, I don't know anything about it. So uh, it was really exciting to work on this production, but also intimidating. And then I just watched uh, a run through a few rehearsals ago and it was not only completely understandable, but also just a blast. Like, wow, <laughs> what a fun movie night. Um, but yeah, it, it really, it, the thing is, is that what we have that other Shakespeare productions perhaps may not have is we have all of these digital embellishments. So we have the Venmo, Venmo transactions that, I mean, this is all pretty stuff. It's like Venmo transactions and pulling up pages and showing hacking and things like this. It actually comes across a lot clearer because I guess for me too, I'm used to, we're used to the online world at this point. And so the way that everything is happening actually just makes more sense to me than the real world a lot of the time. <laughs> and Shakespeare wrote for three different audiences at the same time, right? Like that's why he was so good is he would write the clown parts for the lower strata and then the high uh, poetry for the higher paying seats, right? Well, we kind of get that going on, but it's almost like an age thing. Like the older folks are going to hear, they know Twelfth Night, sure. And then you see people bring up things like, um, like Venmo and TikTok, and then that speaks to a different sort of subsect of people. So really, what this production do has done is mirrored in a more uh, true-to-life way the way that this would have originally been presented, which is we are telling two different stories that at the same time for two different audience members at the same time. You I'd love say, to hear... Go ahead, Brittany. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I... I personally don't know if I would say that like the tech is necessarily telling a completely different story because like Venmo's transaction is a great example of it because like if you were doing this on stage right you would hand someone a bag of money and I, it's it's the same thing to me because it doesn't it doesn't necessarily change the story it's the same um, process of this is what's happening and I I don't feel like any of the tech embellishments um, if you like, if you miss it, you've missed a, a whole point of the story, right? Like it's it's something where it becomes an understandable part of our current cultural language of like we understand what web kind of language looks like of notifications and messages sent to each other and gifts and Venmo transactions. But I don't necessarily think that um, for me, as someone who enjoys Shakespeare, but it does take a bit for me to get what's going on which is part of why I like it because I'm like all right tell me the story is I think that if I were to close my eyes and just listen the whole time I still would get what's going on because these actors have had a great amount of time to dive into the text which I think is you know because there's no more block well there's a little bit of blocking if I say so myself but but it didn't it didn't necessarily take up a huge chunk of time so everyone got the opportunity to fully understand what they were saying and when they understand it we understand it. And I'm just kind of here to be like, you got that. You got that, right? Maybe yeah. what you're doing is you're teaching older generations what Venmo is. <laughs> it's going the other direction. It's My dad just got Venmo. He's so proud. He'll be like, I'll pick something up for you. Venmo me? I'm like, oh, my God. So, <laughs> so cute. 
I think tone is everything. And what we did during um, table work week that I wish I'd like leaned into because I was like reflecting on it after. And I think it made all the difference. We kind of did the basic like Shakespeare, okay, say the line in the Shakespeare language and then translate it into English. But what started to happen is the actors created a new language in their translation. So they would like interact with one another in that way. And so like their translations would be a direct like response as if they were acting with like complete intentions and action behind it. Um, but for Zooms, like their translations were all like how we're talking right now and it was so funny it got so entertaining um, to hear them like create that new dialogue and that has translated so easily into like keeping into like the zoom tone it's very casual right you can't do the full Shakespearean bravado thing on zoom it's it's just too big but it, they really found like the, the right tone and they are able to like bounce off of each other with that and that has worked so beautifully it's like they've really crafted there's a lot of different like languages crafted on top of this original text right so it's like this tonal language of like casual zoom plus like this very visual language that will I think speak in a different way even if it's not a completely different story speak to a different kind of audience um, in a way that maybe Shakespeare hasn't like met that audience quite yet so your actors had at least the the benefit of knowing when they auditioned that this was what they were signing up for, right? Like, <laughs> unlike Silent Sky, Brittany, where they were planning on performing live theater and, and suddenly are performing live Zoom theater. Um, yeah. How have your, even knowing that though, I'm sure most of them, or if not all of them, it was a new experience. So how have the actors responded? I mean, other than I think enthusiastically from what you're saying, Jenna, or what have maybe been the, the challenges that they've faced as you know, actors in this new medium? Yeah, I think, I wonder what they would say because I think they probably are experiencing like different kinds of self-doubt. I think just because they don't have that like other body energy there to like vibe off of, if that makes sense. I think the hardest part of it for the actors is actually tempo and just like the pace of things. Um, a lot of different technological aspects affect pacing besides like just the actors you've yeah. got like your internet speed um which lord knows that can slow down a scene like none other um so now that we've got most people connected to ethernet that's going a lot easier but i think you know we had to kind of talk about how do you keep a connection and it's it's similar to blocking right it's like we've we talk about focus when we're looking at like a stage and like how do all of your actors give another actor focus or how does your set give an actor focus or things like that. So we kind of had to like play with that. So we tried to like find how can we keep it as similar as possible to the onstage experience so it feels like you're all together, but like translated to screen. So a lot of it I think is gonna be weirder when like they know they have an audience but there's no audience there. But then other than that, it's just like, how do we just keep like a good like community vibe going? Because I think it's really easy to just feel disconnected from one another. But yeah, so I think those have been like the biggest challenges is just how do we play off of one another in this space? And I think it is like a little bit of like a focus attention detail kind of thing, but also just, I said, I think just giving people the opportunity to collaborate and talk 
and intermittently throughout the process too just like brings people closer and that helps keep the togetherness. I was thinking because I have um, like a lot of experience in filmmaking specifically. So one of the things, you know, is I, I mean, I have a degree in it. So that's kind of where I started with kind of arts experience. And there's so many aspects of film incorporated in streaming, right? But the with film, it's the same thing. Like usually you're in the same space at the same time. And one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is like, what is the benefit of doing something live via Zoom or another streaming platform versus everybody records their parts, we edit it together, put it up, ta-da, we've got a production. And there, for me as a filmmaker, there is absolutely no way I could capture what happens in these Zoom rehearsals with the same spark and energy unless everybody was in a Zoom rehearsal. Like, I couldn't ask everybody to film their parts separately and then say, hey, we've got to play because there is just something so visceral and, and energetic about responding in real time to someone who may, you know, not that the cast is, but like could be across, across, across the country, excuse me. Um, so it, it's, you're having a, a experience together that you ha still have to trust each other, like as performers, you still have to know that someone's going to come in with that line and someone's going to do the action. And that, and then, and then you have to trust that I'm putting you in a space that looks like a Illyria.com. Right. So there's a lot of different elements of that, but I, I, I know from uh, an outside perspective of I've done a lot of different aspects of creating a story and there's just, of course, there's nothing like live theater. There's nothing like being in that same space together and feeding off of each other's energy. But this being the secondary option right now, it's still, it still feels real. It still feels alive. And I think that that's something that's like huge because if, if you, it doesn't matter if you're in the same space or not, if you're not connecting as, as a group, you're not going to have any spark. You're not going to have any energy. It's not going to be a real show. And this, I mean, this is a real show. It, and you get to sit in your couch and, and drink some fancy wine. Like you, you can experience it any way that you want and you still get that energy. You get that intimacy of being right, right there with everybody else. Well, and, and I know too, we, we talked with the cast of Silent Sky about whether or not they felt a connection to the audience as they were performing. Some said they did, some said they didn't. It's sort of that metaphysical like idea. Um, and I equate it to... Um, back in my college days when I did radio and you literally have no idea if one person is listening or if 10,000 people are listening. So like when we did our drama shop cabaret at the end of the season, personally, I did feel like we, there was an audience out there. Like we were doing, even though we're sitting on the couch in our living room and seeing this cabaret, it still felt like we were doing theater as much as we can have that feeling right now. So I hope that your actors feel that way. Um, and I think to the fact that you're doing it on social media with some sort of natural interactive potential there um, is a way to feel like you're, you're still connecting to that audience, even though you're not looking up that hill in Frontier Park and seeing all those folks on their folding chairs and blankets with their bottles of wine. You know that they have them at home, right? I love that. And I think also like a big testament to that is just the Erie community too, because they do show up for theater and Shakespeare Summer Nights is such a well-known thing. I hope people like will miss it enough to want to tune in, I guess. But I think like Erie theater is so just supportive of, of itself even, I think like 
you always feel it a little bit when people are tuning in. Yeah. And I think it's so cool now that we have people from all over, like obviously like Bridget in Portland and our Viola lives in New Jersey. None of us have ever met her, <laughs> but she's awesome. You know, so, but that's got so all these cool. Like, sectors. I know. That's what I think too. I'm like, I was like reflecting on, Oh God, this is almost over. I was like, what if I never see Jacqueline again? <laughs> like, what if I never get to meet her? Like it was, it's a really weird thing. But so I think it's also just like big bodies of people now might tune in. I think there's something maybe exciting about that, that I hope like incites the cast too, of just the possibility that like, I don't know, the artistic director of any major theater around the country could be like, hey, let's watch this because I've invited some of them. So. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Lauren Gunderson might watch. You never know. Lauren Gunderson oh, might show <laughs> I would, I would just die. <laughs> I think that's, that's such, a, such an important point, though, because this is the spirit of Shakespeare Summer's Night, Summer Nights, which is free outdoor theater, right? And the mm -hmm. spirit of that being free, I would say, is probably the number one thing. Absolutely. Um, that now it is free and highly accessible in yes. terms of you don't have to be from Erie. You don't even have to be in the same time zone. And like everybody in the cast could share it with their friends who could share it with their friends. We can exponentially grow the audience of one local production, which I think is like that for me, that is both the power of theater, right? Because that you wouldn't have that if we weren't putting on a show, if we were doing a, Hey, we're going to stream and, and, and talk about what Shakespeare is. Sure. Some people might tune in, but we're legitimately putting on a performance. And then the power of, utilizing the tools that you have at your disposal in the moment to create something entirely different and new. Cause that's, that's for me what this is. It's not theater and it's not gaming and it's not film. It's not broadcast. It's not radio. It's like all of that stuff in a little sandwich that, you know, is being coined as digital theater, which I still think is a misnomer, but I don't have a better term for it because it's just so new and different. And like, what is it? But it's so exciting of how accessible it is. Everybody can see it. By the time they come up with a better name, they will also have a more streamlined way of doing it. And like, there will always be somebody to do something better, but we're doing it first. And that is important. And so we get to look back on this and be like, yeah, we had to build it while we were flying it and we didn't know what we we're doing and it turned out damn good. And even if it didn't turn out damn good, you still did the thing. So I think that it's something to be super proud of. And in my experience, that tends to be the most rewarding theater experience is the one where you're you're building the plane as you're flying it, right? I feel like I so. for the last nine years, Drama Shop has done that with just about every production out of necessity. Like we've got it's to build this process. damn plane and figure out how to fly it later. And we'll look back on this, I think in five years, 10 years when we've like, I don't know if theater will go back to exactly the way it was. And I don't think that it necessarily should. I think that the level of accessibility that this time is showing us and like, we need to meet our communities where they are and we need to get to those people and tell their stories that don't necessarily work into the, the form that we had before. And we'll look back at this and, you know, I hope we don't come to another place of product, 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 that it's like, we just do the same thing we did and now we also have to stream it. Like, I'm hoping that we really, you know, there's a, there was a lot of immersive theater happening, especially in big cities and like New York, things like, sleep no more that I know Zach you and I've talked about yeah. and so 
I think that this is a hybrid that's somewhere between digital theater, live theater, broadcast, and an immersive theater event. And I don't see a reason why we need to find like, oh, we have to run, do a run from Thursday through Saturday with a Sunday matinee. We need to do it for two weeks and that's what we do. Or if you're professional theater, we do eight date, we do eight shows a week, Monday nights are dark. Like we can question all of these things now. Why does the show must go on? If people are sick, we should be taking care of our people. We shouldn't be pushing them to do these things. We should pay our artists. We should, you know, um, take a look at free internships. We should be paying people. So I think this makes us question everything. And I think, like you said, Brady, this is the most accessible that, that this program's ever been. And I, I can't imagine going back. Like every piece of theater should be like challenging what we know as theater, whether it like, is it this kind of digital theater or are we on a stage? I just don't think it matters. Like, we should always be pushing the boundaries. I'm done with doing it normal. <laughs> Beautiful. I think, like, one other really big piece to this, like, why this production means so much is because it came at a time when a lot of people's lives had been completely flipped upside down. A lot of people had just been freshly unemployed and heard about an audition or heard about a potential position. And like, this is something that without COVID, I would never have been able to work as a paid visual artist. And that's been a lifelong dream of mine. So yeah, it's like, pandemics are not cool. But I think this production is a huge symbol of the gems that you can find in an explosion, you know, like, yeah, it leaves a crater, but there's some really cool gemstones at the bottom. Whoa. And this production is one of them. And like, it is kind of like, I kind of just love that it is, we sort of just pulled ourselves together. And it was kind of a scrappy crew at the beginning. We were like, we don't know what we're doing. I've like, I don't know anything about Shakespeare or art. I just like making art. And I like, you know, and so it, I think it just offered a lot of people experiences that otherwise would have not been possible. And I think that it's going to offer the audience that same thing, which is really important. And I think people really appreciate authenticity and community. And those two things are very, very easy to sense in our production. So I, we kind of already answered this, but I'm gonna throw this out there again. Um, and I'd love to hear from each of you. Do you see this type of digital theater, live stream theater, whatever you wanna call it, do you see it sticking around? I hope it sticks around because <laughs> I, I like doing this and this is kind of like where I think a lot of things I've been doing in the past five years of my of my career have kind of been leading because like there's no absolutely no way I would have been confident enough to do this if I hadn't been doing the live stream podcast that I had done like a year and a half ago like it's just very like a lot of serendipitous stuff has happened um, but I hope it sticks around and I, I, I I've had this conversation with you personally Zach of like this I don't think that this is a theater replacement. I don't think it, and I don't think it needs to be. I, I love live theater. There's a reason that I'm working in, even though that's not what I got my degree in, like, because there is just something about it. But I think that we can kind of consider it like another like branch of the same tree, right? Like I think film and theater have a same similar root because you talk about like, you know, before we went into certain styles of acting in film, it was just theatrical acting filmed with a camera right so it, that's a branch off and then you know we've got theater and the theater as it is now which sometimes incorporates multimedia into the presentation on lives on live stage performances but then I think another branch off of that is what we've got now 
which I think is so like it's it's the same but different. And I think that it can grow into something else as long as it's not being pitted against other forms of media. And I think especially when we talk about accessibility, just like everybody has said, like this is such an accessible media form for viewers and for artists alike. Um, that I don't know why we wouldn't keep doing it. I mean, Brittany and I were just having a conversation the other day about audio dramas in regard to like her podcast network that she has. And I just think like, oh my God, all the plays out there that are just public domain that anybody could just put up, especially plays written by women from this same era that were never produced because they were written by women. Like, why don't we put those in an audio drama? Like, it's also just a great way to get out the word about some of those plays that were that should have been extremely influential in our history as like theater makers that weren't because they were by women. So I feel like it's a great way to get out there so many more plays that might actually lend themselves better to this kind of update. And I think more plays are working in this format than we think. Like I remember watching Silent Sky and like they obviously like you didn't do anything to put that in like a website format like we did. But some of the themes, like the isolation those women felt, first of all, being women in that time, but also like, in that profession and like in their like individual locations like that was totally amplified by being on zoom you know like because they were really like they were apart and that like rang through so i just think like we can be doing so much work and especially like maybe even quicker too if like because like i said there are lots of like steps in the process that get cut out of this that allow us to do so much more on this with less time if we need to and still kind of put together a clean product so yeah, I don't know why it, sh it should totally stick around. It could be like special programming. I mean, I don't know. I see so many possibilities for people to utilize this. And even like bigger theater companies, like they should be utilizing this to reach out, expand their network of artists, even for like new play festivals. I just think, why aren't we doing this? It's so easy, so much broader. I love it. Yes. Yeah, I think that like <laughs> if you look at, you know, we could look at Drama Shop and be like, well, maybe in the future we'll do one staged reading and one digital theater production each year. Um, I think that you're absolutely right, Brittany. I think that they share a root. I think that it's very similar. Like people were already creating content. And then it's kind of like theater folk were like, hey, I can help you. I know things. And the content creator's like, well, you can help us, but you have to play with us and you're not going to take this over, right? And theater's like, I don't know, I don't, let's do it. I've been watching so much TikTok since we started this process and like, it's brilliant and I love it. And it's, it's so smart. It's like an improv game. All of, I mean, it's not improv, but an improv, the idea of like, what's the game? you're always looking for the game, right? And with TikTok, the game is, you can do anything, but there's a couple of different games that are always being played. And they're like, um, they're the things that are kind of like, what's hot right now. There's this dance is a game and this sound bite is a game. There's like five that are in heavy rotation right now. And then people do a trend. But if you replace the word trend with game, it's, in, it's, it's improv. And then you kind of just get to see like, oh, they're going to do this song and they're going to do the dance, but they're going to tell you that part of the game of TikTok is also what can we get away with without getting censored? So they're doing the dance and they're doing the song, but they're also telling you like about um, certain things happening in Portland that shouldn't be happening. And they know that if they do the song and the dance while they're telling you this, they're not going to get censored. 
It's brilliant. It is the most meta theater, brilliant improv game thing I've seen. And so we've, people have already, again, Gen Z, the kids are all right. So yeah, no, I don't think we're going to go back to a world where this doesn't exist. I think we're going to just have, this is a new thing. And, you know, I would love if, you know, when in 20 years from now, when I'm still teaching for some reason, and then people can take my devised digital theater class, you know, I think that, and it lends itself so well to immersive and devised work because you don't have to worry about publishers. Mm -hmm. So I think publishers are going to have to either get on the trend and figure that out while still paying their writers, or they're going to get left a little bit in the dust. And so also I think publishers are going to have to start listening to voices of the people of color and black people and brown people and native people, as well as women, because again, we're moving, we're moving and they can either get on board or not. I think your show is a prime example of when you don't have those barriers of licensing, of casting restrictions, of being, you know, locked into actors of a particular gender, of not being able to swap the gender of a character. You know, it really frees you up to tell stories that you want to tell and that resonate with an audience today. So I'm looking forward to to seeing how this play lives and breathes in 2020 when we're all, you know, grappling with a pandemic, with an election, with Black Lives Matter, with so many things that are coming to a head at the same moment in time. What do each of you hope that the audience will take away from this production? Well, I, I touched on a little bit earlier, like I'm like I said, with, with people who are maybe questioning issues or to- topics about their lives in regard to gender and sexual identity. I hope that this makes them feel a little bit less alone in that journey of discovery. Um, as somebody who's been on it myself, it can be really lonely trying to navigate that without a support system or feeling like you have to hide it. So I hope that people feel less like they have to hide it. But I think there is something about this production that is really grounded in the reality of today. So part of me is like, I just hope it's a bit of a wake up call. Like the fact we push this in the future, like there is a really scary chance that this, all of our current state of the world stuff is also our future state of the world stuff. So a little part of me is like, yeah, like take action right afterwards. Like, please, you know, like Elena mentioned, obviously the Black Lives Matter movement is something very, very important to us. I know we even like included all of that in like our bios and like that's why part of the proceeds go there. So I just hope like it helps ground people in the reality of what our world is right now. And it's not always pretty and quite frankly, it's not always a comedy either. Yeah, we, uh, I think we are not a collectivist country. I think we're very much tied to individualism. And I think that if we cling to that too hard for my very much longer, things are not going to go well. So I think that something like this, which shows how we can use uh, something like technology to either alienate each other further or to create connection. And hopefully we choose to create connection um, and also wear masks. I feel like I, I obviously like always want people to take away what the main kind of conversation of the show is whenever I'm doing tech on it. Like, because I think that that's, you know, why I sign up for the show is I was like, I like what this director is trying to say or this producer is trying to say or this writer is trying to say, and that's what I want to do with my work. 
But I think from a, a standpoint of like, what would I want people to take away from essentially like a scenic perspective almost it's it's like a combination scene and multimedia i've never been in that position well i would say maybe maybe with like curious incident a little bit but yeah. i it, it wasn't i wasn't necessarily saying hey read this thing on the stage it was more like hey look at these colorful blobs um so there's a little bit of a difference there but i think that it's some colorful that blobs I, meant to induce anxiety. Yeah, I I think we did. I think we did okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things that like I think about a lot, and especially since like for me personally, since like March is the the way that you can get so overwhelmed and lost in social media, in in how you present yourself, what you're consuming via any platform um and, and i think you know to some of the points we talked about earlier is like the authenticity of presentation of people like you i don't think we consciously evaluate what we consume on social media enough to say even you know my best friend still curates the content that goes on any social media platform like i obviously know many people personally and know more than what they're saying so i have a full story but for people that I don't talk to that often or people that I don't even know personally, I'm not getting the full story. And we never will on social media, even, even if we were to go into an alternate universe where um, we are constantly streaming our lives, right? Like 24-7, webcams all over our house, that's just the way it is. We still won't get the full story because there are ways that people curate their lives in, or, or become other people when they feel that they are being watched. And I think that that's something so powerful about utilizing a fictional social media platform is that as an audience, I, I think you should be evaluating why are the characters doing what they're doing, being seen or not being seen, and, and also the understanding that um, there, there's a lot more than meets the eye in both like social media presentation of putting, putting forth a, the best version of you and also that I have a bajillion cues that I'm actually running and you won't see them. <laughs> How many screens are you looking at during this show? Three. Three, okay. Well, yes. Although there's technically sometimes a couple others, but uh, in terms of like actively watching, I have my laptop, which has the streaming program, and then on an additional monitor to that laptop, I have the Zoom call up. And then on a different computer entirely, I'm watching the live stream as it's being presented. And your phone, because you're talking, you're calling yeah. sure it goes. Yeah, yeah, that's, I've, we've got an intercom system on our phones now. So now we've got like a backstage intercom system. Um, and every once in a while, if I need to bring another, if we have some tech I need to troubleshoot, I'll bring my other phone out, but not usually. That's not for the show. I love how much we've adapted just in four months. It's it's amazing to see, again, artists, when we have a, a story we want to tell, don't get in our way, man. Mm -mm. What about you, Bridget? What do you hope people take away from this? <laughs> or what will was, you take away from this? I was counting on you forgetting about me. <laughs> never. Darn. Never. Okay. Um, In the so, hour and 15 minutes that I've known you, I've not forgotten about you once. Wow. <laughs> what, 
what an honor to hear that. Thank you. Um, of course. I would say my favorite thing about art is that when someone creates any kind of me any kind of media, it doesn't matter what medium of art you're making. Um, when you create it, it's really like uh, an expression of your inner truth, of your inner self, of your true experience, of your, the true way you understand the world. It's the most po it's the most genuine you can possibly be, and then when you do this collaborative type of art, it's the intersection of people's truths, understandings, and this like beautiful sort of surreal community forms in, so we're not only connecting back to William himself, right? Who, who was writing his truth, but we're also connecting to all of our actors, all of our crew members, um, and also audience members. And then when the audience gets brought in, their truth is brought into it and they take away what they need to is what I generally find. And so, I mean, uh, different plays in my experience have meant very different things. And I have taken complete different lesson, moral feeling from a play compared to other people, you know, when we saw the same production. I think what's important is, is that I find um, truth tends to lie in the moments where like, you can't really describe it. Like it's not necessarily a lesson or a moral. I think it's just a, a feeling sometimes. Um, or an experience. And so honestly, like in a year that has been for everyone on earth, probably presented a lot more of trepidation than usual, um, especially just for people who are, well, just anyone really. Um, I really hope that this show gives people a chance to experience their truth and just connect with it and connect with each other's. And I hope that people get from this play whatever it is they need this year. Yes, theater is an experience, right? Whether yeah. we're sitting in a room together or whether we're watching on Facebook Live, theater is a community experience. Yeah, and I've worked as an actor, I've worked as a designer, I've worked as just a visual artist. Um, I do like a whole bunch of different stuff and like, the thing is that you learn as a creator, which all of us know, is you cannot control how someone's going to interpret your work. So you just have to put your best heart into it. And that's what we're doing. And hopefully the audience sees that. I think they will. How often do you get to be in the world when an entire new art form is invented and made popular? Happy 2020. <laughs> all right. So Twelfth Night will be streamed on Schuster Theater's Facebook page at 8 p.m. on July 27th, 28th, and 29th, and also August 3rd, 4th, and 5th. You can find that at facebook.com slash Gannon Schuster Theater. Streaming is free, of course, but donations can also be made at schustertipjar.com at any time. Donations will be split evenly amongst the cast as well as a portion going to Black Lives Matter, an organization that the cast and the production team feel very strongly about supporting. Well, thank you all so much for joining us for Shop Talk. It has been a pleasure and we look forward to seeing the show. Break a leg.